What's good, everybody? This is episode 44 of the Rabona Boys podcast. 44, that's two fours, which is my soccer number, oh, which wow. is all the best center backs in the world soccer number. <laughs> true, <laughs> but, true, true. Um, Shout out Sergio Ramos. We don't got too much for you guys this week. Keep shout out to David Alaba. Yeah, we don't have shit. Yeah, shout out to Alaba. Shout out to Van Dyke. Shout out to Sergio Ramos. Everybody who wore four. four Alba Rezi wore four. Yeah. That's also one of the greatest center backs of all time. Shout out to him. Wasn't um, Nesta four? That's, I think that's who also yeah. I'm thinking of very recently, Nesta. You know, and now we got William Saliba. That's just how the cycle goes. Anyways, um, just a quick little rundown of the week. We need to take a moment to acknowledge that Dean Henderson wore a cap, like yeah. a, like a literal baseball cap. Yeah, I thought that was pretty pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> so keepers do that. Uh, I've never seen that. So like it's, it's so in England it rarely happens. In like South America it happens all the time. Um, keepers are allowed to wear a hat when the sun is in their face. Uh, which is why Dean Henderson was wearing a fucking, Yo, Dino, Dino a fucking was New fitted, York man. Yankees hat. Oh, the yeah. last one I can remember for real was uh, Joe Hart. I think Allison wore one too one time, but I'm pretty. I really remember Joe Hart wearing one. Uh, okay, I kind of remember that actually. He was actually it. used to wear, and I know he's done it a couple times. But he was actually used to wear hats games. like way back in the day, like back before oh, keepers I had know like about gloves like, and yeah, shit. Sheen. Like he, we're not doing a Liverpool bit. I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, don't get me started. <laughs> I just thought it was interesting that uh, Liverpool haven't won an away match no. this season. Mm-mm. I didn't know that. Well, it makes sense because our away jerseys are hideous this season. That's true. So. Yeah, I'm you're on, on some, like, seasons. frequency vibration shit that it's so, weird. It was supposed to, like, you're represent, re- like, Liverpool nightclubs in, like, the 90s. Really? Back when E was, like, pure and shit. So, like, you guys all look like you're trying to produce sound waves or something. Fucking drum and bass and jungle and all that weird shit. So, it's, like, all the yeah. super high syncopated beats and everything. Dude's getting crazy high. Apparently, those shirts are how it looked. Or that's whatever the blurb says. Huh. But they're going to have a completely different explanation when they reuse that pattern for a different team next season. Uh, Shout out to Nike. Yeah, Nike is... Nike got to step their game up, man. Nike <sighs> Nike is reuse, recycle to the max, and they're so shameless about it. Bruh, the new USA jerseys are garbage for the World mm, Cup. Yeah. And the Canadian jersey, they didn't even give Canada anything new. They didn't even give them new team wear. <laughs> they're wearing the exact same shit. That they wore before. It's a crazy. North American soccer doesn't exist, man. Shout out to Nike, though. Yeah. <laughs> the North American team. We had to switch to New Balance or something. So, I tried to make it a point this week to branch out and watch some non-EPL games. Mm-hmm. I tried. I, like, I've been pretty good about, like, I like getting up at, like, 6 a.m. and just, yeah. like, grinding out some games. That's clearly your favorite thing to do. It's so fun. You be up. I love it. Boy, you be up. I love it. But, uh... I was trying to make it a point to watch other games. I have a rule, though. If top six England teams play each other, I'm probably going to watch that. Right? Yeah. So one team I've been kind of following closely this season is AC Milan um, in my attempt to try and get more into Serie A. I wanted to watch this AC Milan-Monza game. I didn't get to because I ended up watching Chelsea uh, Manchester United, which I kind of regret at this point because that <laughs> game was super boring. But... This AC Milan team, man, I've been following them for like most of the season now. Brahim Diaz. Uh-huh. And do you watch the highlights for this? Yeah. Dude, that kid's good. It's very, and I'm very surprised to see he only has one Spanish call-up. Brahim Diaz is super young, one. Uh, he's also kind of... I almost want to describe it as almost like, a, like another version of Coutinho, where he came out with so much promise. He looked like he was going to be a world beater. 
Um, he plateaued really hard at a couple different places, had to go on loan, and then found his feet somewhere else. And now it seems as though he's thriving. So mm. um, the same thing. Only happened. like twenty two years old though. So yeah. So he he's bounced listening. around because he he got drafted into City's academy. Was that City? City wanted drafted to offer him like. So you know against his own will, like it's you know what it is though. I mean, the money, the we way want the money, you. the way the money come in is you don't have a will, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, True. And also, I feel like okay, real quick side tangent. Am I the only one that feels like clubs like PSG and City tend to appeal to a player's family? Like if they want to keep the player and the player like doesn't want to stay, like do you think that like those clubs would resort to like talking to the player's uh, family? I'm sure all clubs do a bit of that i'm sure like the bigger financial powers just just City like as a, PSG, as a, as a i'm side. sure they use it as a big negotiating tactic because i you could know they're swear. doing that with mbappe like, i was gonna know, say oh, mbappe yeah. is the main one that i that i think of like when it comes to that the way he was talking and all that stuff we can get to go over that another time um but no he went from them to real madrid uh he was part of that little group like with rodrigo vinicius jr uh valverde and, and milichau like who all got randomly uh, bought in like 2018 around and he was with that group but he kind of just wasn't doing well it was almost like another Odegaard situation mm. where Real Madrid doesn't have room for like a proper 10 even if the 10 kind of yeah, changes yeah. his game like uh, Odegaard has like like Brian Diaz has he's clearly a 10 but he's so different now from Real Madrid just have not played a 10 and who knows exactly how many I can't remember the last true number 10 that Ozo. Real Madrid had Ozo, Ozo honestly because they, they got James right after and he flopped that didn't work and hard. he played a lot in the wing too like, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, so Diaz, um, they they sent him out on loan a couple of different places. Seems like as though AC Milan is like where he's really stuck. I don't know mm-hmm. if he's all alone anymore. I think I he think got he bought. Oh, is he? Uh, so I don't know. It could be close, but he's been at Fact the, the point is that <laughs> yeah, right. He's been at Milan for more than a couple of years now, probably about as long as yeah. um, Teo Hernandez has been there. That and long, he, yeah, and he's he's been there for for a minute. Oh, he's grown yeah. there, okay. which is crazy. So he's a Milan player through and through. Yeah, basically. No, he's nice. He's nice, and uh, he didn't strike me at first as a player I was super interested in. But like the more I've been following, this is multiple weeks now that he's grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck and just taken over by himself and. So, um, think, yeah, so, like, AC Milan has basically, like, become, like, again, you know how how we, how we were just talking about how, like, certain players have to find a club that trusts them, like Odegaard, mm-hmm. everybody trusted him except for Real Madrid, but then he went to Arsenal, and now he's, like, on a level, like, at a club that's kind of on his level, too. AC you know? Milan is a great example of that point, too, because they've done it so much in recent history. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tomori's flourished Tomori, there. Yeah. Kessier, I mean, he's built even, his career even off the of guy, being there. I mean, maybe it's kind of a weird example because he's so established. But a guy like Ibrahimovic, who mm-hmm. like left Europe and then has come back, and they've just so how we were talking about Paolo Maldini earlier. Yeah. he's their sporting director now, right. and just the same dedication he showed to defending, he's clearly showing to trying to build the club up because mm-hmm. what he's kind of the head of recruitment and he's also kind of in charge of not necessarily the football as in the coaching but like he's in charge of like okay the club needs to focus on bringing younger players through the club needs to focus on AC Milan used to have a legendary physio staff and when I mean legendary I'm talking like Maldini played until he was 40 at the club and like that was considered typical um Costa Curta yeah. Nesta they also all went super long for Syria in general though so um Maldini's kind of change the trajectory of the club but i feel like if getting diaz was his idea then that's got to be like a master stroke because diaz seems really unassuming 
when you first watch him. But there's a reason everyone was kind of paying attention to where mm-hmm. where Real Madrid kept putting him because everyone was like, "Yo, this guy, something he has to stick somewhere. He's too good." Years down the line, we've seen a club trust this guy, allow him to grow. The more he grows, the more he's able to put the team on his back. The more the team relies on him and trusts him, right. and the more they put good pieces around him. I mean, not even pieces around him, but just like they've gotten other really good young players mm-hmm. to, to mesh with dude. Rafael Leal, clear example, Teo uh, Hernandez, who when he got bought by Real Madrid, no one would have thought that dude would have ended up being a captain anywhere. Like, seriously. He was, he was acting like, like an idiot over a there. A goal-scoring left back. You like, know what I'm saying? We, we've talked a lot about, like, system defining fullbacks and like the transition from the Trent type of fullback to the inverted type of fullback mm-hmm. and all these Taylor Hernandez is something else man he's I don't he's I like still one don't of those... fully understand him but he's such an intriguing player to like because he can dribble and he can shoot and he can progress to be a goal the ball threat from the position on the field you're farthest away from goal that's not like a keeper mm-hmm. is insane it's, to me yeah it, what's funny is that like he he literally plays the same position as his brother so mm-hmm. Lucas Hernandez plays. Well, Lucas at, Hernandez um, plays a lot of center back. Well, he plays center back, but he also plays. He can, he can moonlight he can, as left yeah. back, almost like an Alaba type situation. Yeah. So remember, for France, Lucas Hernandez plays left back, mm-hmm. and Taylor Hernandez is a, it also plays left back, but he plays a completely different style. Yeah, it's good like luck playing center back. It's wing backing for sure. You know. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, I didn't mean to hijack your whole thing no, about Rahim Diaz, but he is a gem. And your your eyes do not deceive you. Yeah, he's bro. a good player. Good player. You know who else had a nice goal is uh, Origi. Yeah. Uh, another another example of a player AC Milan's kind of taking the gamble on. Yes, sir. Giving him a home, giving him trust, giving him a place to develop. Um, it's dope. Like he moved to the right situation because they don't seem to have like a lot of strikers like that. Rafael Leal could be one, but he kind of more cut. He is almost like the Ronaldo type. He's a forward. So, yeah. He yeah. stays high, but he stays wide and then cuts inside. So I've he, said that too, and like not necessarily in terms of, you know, comparing them as players, but just their physical like build yeah. and physique. Well he you was compared to that. Ronaldo so they both came through the sporting academy and he was actually compared to Ronaldo when he was a kid too. Mm-hmm. And like by the time he was like fifteen, people were like, Oh, he's better than Ronaldo is at this age. But Leal is a definitely a different type of character. Um uh, no, but speaking of Origi, he, he moved to the right situation because uh, the team needed a for-sure goal scorer, a, a guy who could take a whole bunch of minutes uh, from Ibrahimovic, who was injured, um, but also a guy who has like a high goals per 90 ratio. And I don't know the exact number, but I know that every time we played Origi for Liverpool, every, it felt like every time he got on the pitch, he would score or assist something. Uh, he's great as a fulcrum, like a hold-up nine. Uh, but he also has great feet and great interplay. He's also really fast, which, well, maybe not fast, but he's very quick. And a lot of people don't realize that. Um, so I think after years of sitting on the bench and not really being appreciated at a club like Liverpool, I think he made the right move. Even if you want to consider it a step down, which I kind of don't, um, moving to a club like Milan that had room for him and has time and space. Now, he's he's an experienced player at this point. So he's going to be the guy kind of giving everyone else you know, some insight onto what it takes to either win, but also keep your head up and keep pushing. So we might see Milan actually grow as a club. <clears throat> right now, the, I mean, right now the Serie A is wild as hell. It's wide open right now. Milan, well, actually, no, Milan it's not. Napoli's wrapping that bitch up. Now that I think about it, no, it's close. It's like pretty back and forth between Milan and Napoli mm-hmm. at this point. But uh, definitely a fun 
title race to watch. Keeping it on Serie A, the other crazy game, Florentina versus Inter. Mm-hmm. Florentina Inter was crazy. I think the final score was like four to three, and I feel like most of the action was fifty, sixtieth minute on. Okay, Damn. and it was just packed like. Okay. Goal scoring everywhere, big moments. Martinez went scored a beautiful goal, which is crazy. Um, um, Mikatarian with the ninety fifth minute winner. You dude, know, Mikatarian, so, bro. Yeah, but how old is he now? CV of clubs, dude. Like, yeah, he has been everywhere. List. I forget Dortmund, he even played at Arsenal. Dortmund United. Oh, Arsenal. Oh, yeah. Dortmund, Arsenal, United. Alexis Sanchez. Swap. Um, Roma. The Alexis Sanchez for Mkhitaryan swap deal that everybody lost. That was like, that was wild. That was a hell. weird day. And Alexis <laughs> Sanchez is fucking it up in Mar- at Marseille. I don't yeah. know if he's actually fucking it he's up. Playing but like he's playing like a center forward these days, too. It's yeah. crazy. Well, no, that's cool. Um, uh, One player that I really try to keep an eye on, at least for at Fiorentina, um, I think he's still there, Uh, Jonathan Ikone. Yeah, uh, he was. Oh, I wanted to talk to you about this. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, though. Oh well, I was just saying, like, um, he's always someone I wanted to keep my eye on because out of that like group of like like graduating class of PSG players, him and Nkunku were always kind of the ones that mm-hmm. I was always drawn to. I was right on Nkunku, but you know, everyone's journey is different. So it seems as though Ikone has had to go to a smaller club to kind of grow and kind of be allowed to develop. I. Th- it seems as though he's being played as much more of a winger, maybe Definitely a second a striker. Uh, so I'm kind of sad to watch him move out of the middle, but there's not really any room for 10s anymore, as we just spoke yeah. of. So it's not really a fit. modern thing. Yeah, him, I remember you praising him very highly, so I made it a point to kind of follow him throughout the game. And I don't know, like I don't have a big enough sample size to really have an opinion on the guy, but he didn't, like, stand he didn't out to stand you. out to me, mm. but... Okay. I don't know. I mean, definitely a guy with wheels. Definitely a guy that can fly all over the pitch and dribble and run at people. And um, just nothing really stood out to me in that moment. But I'm definitely interested to keep tracking his progress and see what he's looking like. So real quick, now that we're on the Serie A, I just wanted to say something. Uh, notice how the stigma of the Serie A for the longest has been that it's very, very old, right? Mm-hmm. But if you've noticed, <laughs> there's a whole bunch of young players mm-hmm. on every team in the Serie A right now. Serie A, like we said, it's kind of wild. The mighty have fallen. Boring Juventus has fallen to the wayside. The old lady is dying. Um, <laughs> and Napoli, Roma, Lazio, uh, the Milans, Inter, and... Milan, they right? died and came back. They're all going. Fiorentina, even like even mid tier clubs, Atalanta. Uh, everybody seems as though like they're gunning for it. And one thing I was gonna say is like I've always thought of Italy as a school, and like a school for like learning tactical football. Remember when I was telling you uh, last episode or the episode before when I was talking about an Italian job? What mm-hmm. I mean by that is that I've always noticed, um, and this happens with Ancelotti at, at Real too, but. Most Italian coaches, especially when it comes to, like, a Champions League game, like, if the other team has, like, an outlying, outstanding player, or if they just have a system that works like crazy, Italian coaches, more than anybody else, will fuck up their entire plans just to game plan around one specific mm. thing. And, like, they'll be willing to sacrifice a player just to man mark somebody else just because they know that their system is going to be so effective that that it'll work. 
And that's something that I've realized that I really respect a lot. I feel like Italian coaches are the only ones with the balls to do it. You can even see with the Italian national team. I think with the Italian league, that there's, there's that same gamesmanship and kind of playing the ref that there is in like Spanish and South American leagues. But it's so much more tactical because like they try and take as much emotion out of it as possible and like every man is just expected to to do their job and again that kind of that relates in the tactical sense to me as well because these guys don't necessarily have the hubris to say hey i set up this three four three three five two four three three whatever the fuck they're not saying hey this is my system i'm going to stick to it and nobody can get through it they'll say this is our system these are the weaknesses these are how those guys can exploit it Let's exploit their weakness instead. And I really enjoy that. I think it becomes like a tactical finishing school for the players, too. I'm not saying, like, ooh, the best young players in the world are coming from Italy, because I don't think they are. But I feel like a lot of young players who maybe didn't Definitely hit the crop. potential. That's what it feels like to me, is it's, it's a like, lot of people that might have maybe flopped, if you want to even use that strong of a word, yeah. in the Prem, in, in La Liga, and have found their way into Serie A, like, where they are, you know, just... Maybe, I don't know, maybe... It's Syria almost like finishing school. Not literally, like, for strikers or anything, but it's almost like the last little bits that mm-hmm. you need to learn. To me, Syria is... It's one of those leagues that doesn't get the credit it deserves from, from the, like, the Englands of the world, even yeah. America, you know? And so... But there is so much quality there. And especially when you talk about the tactical, finite details that these managers go through and the tactical warfare of going back and forth to outdo the other team... It makes me definitely want to pay more attention to it and keep trying to yeah. follow these games a little more because it's all pretty new to me recently because yeah, I have not followed Syria in years and it's years. It's just hard watching the likes of Lecce and Monza and Cremonese yeah. and whatever small ass. Well, I'll watch Monza if I can watch AC Milan beat him up. You know? So watching <laughs> Brahim Diaz go crazy, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. We also have to keep that keep that in mind. Monza was a Serie B team. I think this yeah. is their first season in Serie A. They managed to beat Juventus though, so hopefully they'll beat a big team soon. Shout out to Monza F1. People, if you know, you know. I just had a note here because you know I made it a point to look at football architecture. I'm gonna use that term to make it sound. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. How's your How's your journey? Florentina's stadium looks like a cricket field. Yeah. I don't know if anybody. What's it called? I don't know. Spot. I just remember watching it though, and I was like, dude, like the way it's like. The, the green the green field part mm. of it right is so elongated and oval shaped and every mm. time these players scored it was like a Olympic stadium kind of yeah like but the there track wasn't around really it. the track oh wow you know and so, or maybe there is maybe I'm saying it wrong I don't know but I just remember being I remember looking at it and being like this looks like a cricket stadium Italian stadiums are so strange but, but they like jump over the jump crazy. over the little banner thing run past the goal, run through, like, the little hemisphere of grass patch area, run towards, and then, like, the crowd's in an elevated, like, high up. So one thing I'll say um, real quick, uh, shout out to the Italian League for finally, I don't know what they've done, but all of a sudden I'm starting to see a whole bunch more fans in the stands, Uh, whereas, like, the past 10 years, it used to just be, like, one section of ultras, like, in a corner somewhere and no one else is there. It seems as though for a lot more Italian clubs, there are people, uh, which is dope. Uh, One thing that's super that I always kind of notice about Italian football. I really hate how a lot of their stadiums are set up because so many of them have their running track set up around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there are those some of those stadiums where, like, guys will just go crazy after scoring a goal. And, like, 
they'll they'll run past the track (laughs) run over the edges of the track and then drop down into a fucking pit okay that's doing too much yeah in terms of design then the hype's died down it's so italian man like guys just drops out of view and shit Yeah, I can see for sure if the Italian League's building up traction again with the fans. Because yeah. I think for a long time, I mean, it's been so long since... When was the last time a Serie A team won Champions League? Or There really hasn't been like a... Last time a Serie A team's been to the final was 2018, I think Juventus. Yeah, probably Juve, I mean, right? It just kind of feels like, yeah, this league might not make be making the headlines right now with Spain and... And even, I guess, Germany, if you want to count Bayern Munich, and I guess Dortmund's recent success, and of course England. But this league is on the up. There's a lot of young talent. It's exciting for me because that just gives more more teams to pay attention to, more football to pay attention to, more players that are going to come up. You're good at that. I'm I'm not so good at... All right, Um, what's next? Newcastle. I want to talk about Newcastle. Yeah, (laughs) no. MBSFC is on the come up. Yeah, though. They're looking scary. Eddie Howe is looking like a real proper manager, as they like to say across the pond. I'm reading stuff about um, he spent time with Atletico Madrid's coaching team, coaching staff. Really? I don't know when this was, uh, but apparently it was in between when he lost some job and he was like, screw it, let me put the ego to the side Mm -hmm. and go look at a team that plays how I like to play or whatever and let me learn like their mechanics and their methods and everything like that hey props to him if he so, said that I'm hearing a lot it's probably I haven't a been lot watching of... Newcastle like that yet I gotta admit, yet I haven't team. either but um but apparently people are saying there's a lot there are shades of Atleti and how how's Newcastle are playing hmm. how's moving no Newcastle legit I think I think the league should be on red alert. If like they how? Make some good fan, go ahead and describe. Like, what do you mean? I said I think it should the league should be on red alert if they can make some business in January. Because right now they're in fourth place. They're coming off a win against Tottenham. Sneaky. Um, sneaky fourth. They have a sneaky good defense. No, I didn't know Fabian Shaw could be all right, man. Like, right. Or who's the other guy? Who's the other Sven Botman? Yeah, I watched. I watched the Newcastle game like early on in the season. This man hit like a fifty yard, not fifty, like a forty yard banger. Yeah, that's Fabian Shaw. <laughs> and I was like, oh my that's god, that's Fabian Shaw. No, but they can also defend too. It's crazy. Like, I know Kieran Trippier has been. He's been an outstanding right back. Dog. If Eddie Howe can can develop Alan St. Maximin, that's going to be a huge. If match Alan St. Maximin can develop Alan St. Maximin, man, he's always Dude. he's always had a little shit in him, man. <laughs> like he's always had just a little I've bit of extraness. He's so extra, bro. I like, always wanted a team to get Zaha and Maximin on opposite flanks. I just yeah. watched them wreak havoc. I could see Zaha succeeding in a top team. I don't know if I see Alan St. Maximin. Like sixteen out of big six. Well, if he learns anything, yeah. Saint Maximum has always been like a Zaha B type. They're only like four players away from having like a a really good squad. Yeah. That that midfield is so solid. Yeah, notice how none of them Almiron are is looking like a player of the season so far. Almiron, he can't wow. stop scoring since Jack Grealish did a little dig at him. Oh yeah, I know, no, that's what he. So he's smiling, but he's angry on the inside. Yeah, he's coming. Like, I know he looks like cheese from Foster's imaginary friends, but he's a very angry man, and he's <laughs> about to fuck up Jack Grealish's trust. Real quick, Middlesbrough appointed Michael Carrick 
as a manager. I just thought that was interesting. I don't really have anything to add to that. He did okay in his like two games he coached for Manchester United. Yeah, um, I think um, he brought a little bit of stability to them. Uh, a little bit. I wonder how much of it is just you know new manager bounce, like don't do anything too crazy. Learning how to defend after being yeah, coached by Ole. You know, you just tell the guys, all right, guys, big change, go out there. Like, Part of me felt them. like he didn't really get a fair shake, but then again, I don't it was think only he was ever games. in contention for the job. Last thing I want to say though, real quick, is like to me, Michael Carrick sounds like he see kind of fits the mold of like the perfect player that becomes a coach in my opinion like he has the longevity really studious yeah he's a longevity in his career one of those like disciplinarians you know he kind of has like the same routine every day he doesn't do anything excessive he's always kind of like the nine to five clock in hard like a less glamorous chubby alonzo you're right, I get yeah. Like Chavi Alonso's got too much sauce, man. You hey, Chavi Alonso has started managing Bayer Leverkusen. Like well yeah, that is true. Uh like we were talking about with James Milner though, how you're saying he's a workman, right? Yeah. Like I feel like those workmen, they have the foundation, they know you know, they didn't get anything through natural talent, not to take away from any football player, because they all work extremely hard. Yeah. But those those workman guys, I feel like they just the guys that know what they it really takes. studied. They really like broke down the what guys they that have, have to, to pay attention to the tactics. Otherwise, they're not going to get on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Like the guy that kind of has to understand what the coach wants and be that last player or be the guy to plug that spot or whatever. Like, I, I see what you're talking about. Yeah, I think Carrick is one of those guys that really pays attention. I'm just. We'll I'll see. be interesting to see how he does. We'll so. see. All right, and the last point. Stevie G, Steven Gerrard, has been sacked as Aston Villa's manager after, what, maybe a year, year and a half now? It's kind of that. It was kind of... It was never going to work. You don't think so? No. So he had a very successful time at Rangers, but... He didn't stay long enough, in my opinion. Didn't stay long enough, and... He didn't really have anything to learn, like, how do I say He didn't have enough time to really learn anything, in my opinion. He got back, though. That was the thing. Like, they really gave him money when yeah. he got there. And he got to build his team out, do it his way. I can't lie. I really thought Steven Gerrard would turn out to be a good manager. And, well, like, I know people were talking about, oh, like, he's Liverpool's future manager. And, like, that comes from... People are, like, half-joking, but, like, also also kind of half-serious. Like, you know, post-Klopp, maybe he could have become that guy based on what he was doing at Rangers. Well, he seems to have... the guy, long story short. He kind of followed the same path as, like, Lampard. Like, coach a smaller team. Well, people would compare them because Gerrard started in... Mm. In uh, Rangers, well, yeah, Lampard well, went straight to Chelsea, right? But I, I know Lamp- did I Lampard think have a the, job before? No, no, no. He he went he went to Dar- Derby. Derby. He was okay. at Derby. Then he moved to. Uh, oh, I think it was Derby. Yeah, it was, was at he Derby with Rooney. Over yeah, there? Derby because oh, wow. he took Tomori with him. Okay. Um, from Derby to, Ch- yeah, whatever. He coached before. Went to Chelsea, big boy team. Way too early. Lost his job, but he seems to have learned because he managed to turn Everton around last season. Meanwhile. Steven Gerrard had a couple of good games, looked like shit. A couple of games looked like shit. But then what was more concerning about Steven Gerrard was kind of more of the way he was talking and, like, what he was doing. Like, that whole thing with Tyrone Mings, like, mm-hmm. how he seemed to randomly have yeah. beef with Mings and randomly. Like, we bang so, on Mings. We've been banging on Mings for at least a year at this point. But at the same time, I don't think it's a smart idea to drop your so, fucking team captain. Especially like, in the social media age. It's you can't be Sir Alex Ferguson anymore, and you can't be out here openly or like verbally abusing these players yeah. to the public, you know. And uh, 
maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration with Gerard, but the one thing he did, which you really can't get away with these days, is point blame at the players. Yeah. And the players are gonna be there longer than you are. The players will be there longer than you are. The fans will most likely back the players. Yeah. Unless the players are just doing really badly. Well if you're new, especially if you don't know anything, like the way Gerard was talking, it's like this guy didn't seem to have any like humility, any mm-hmm. you know like my way. That he had so much my way or the highway. I was gonna say it seems very much like a like an old head stuck in his ways, not willing to adapt to the new system, you know. And in today's modern sports world, it could be any sport. You really, as a as a leader, as a coach, as a manager. You really can't be seen. It's not good optics to be no. the guy blaming the players for anything. You got to take the hit on everything. But I don't understand why you do that in the first. I mean, I know that team was, I know was so Alex Ferguson was like too, though. untouchable like, as a manager, but that was always my main thing with him was like, I don't understand throwing the players on the bus in the first place. He yeah. already has enough power where he can destroy a player's ego behind the scenes, doing it in, like. That was that was that ended up being Jose Mourinho's downfall. Like yeah. he he was always the he always seemed to be the last of the old school managers, the one that would blame the players, tell a young player they're not good enough, so on and so forth. He seems to have learned a little bit at Roma, and that's the thing. Like as a Liverpool fan, that's what's kind of disappointing, is the fact that we know that Gerard loved Jose Mourinho. That was the only reason like he wanted to move to Chelsea. He's like Mourinho's that guy. Like he does it for me in ways. Rafa Benitez clearly doesn't, right? He didn't like Rafa Benitez that much. Understood that he won, but he didn't feel supported by him. Then Brendan Rodgers just ends up being a train wreck. But it's like it's crazy because he... What got really disappointing was the fact that he's more emulating Rodgers and Benitez on the downfall than he is Mm -hmm. Mourinho or whoever other coach that he really admired. Yeah. Like, honestly, the energy he gave me was more Brendan Rodgers when Rodgers was at Liverpool throwing Sterling under the bus for for all types of stuff. Like, throwing other players under the bus, blaming the players, instead of, like, taking blame for his own horrible tactics. And, and, like, and like you said, that team was wildly inconsistent, especially when you consider the amount of talent on that team yeah. and the players that they signed in the last two, three windows. Especially because they sold Grealit. They... They well, sold Greenwich and they reinvested beautifully. And signings like Diego Carlos from Sevilla and like I don't know how they're in the pis- I don't know how they're is not. Douglas Louise on on Villa or West Ham. Douglas Louise the, is the on demon. Aston Villa. Douglas Louise and is an incredible demon. I want you. Liverpool to no, grab him. I want him Arsenal if I can. to have him. Man. Like, <laughs> no, we, I remember we we haven't talked oh about Douglas Louise for a while, dude. I. Like the with, fact he almost scores Arsenal, in Olympico every time he has a set piece right. is fucking crazy. A corner right. is crazy. There, I have a really sick video of him doing that that you should see. <laughs> um, no, I was literally begging for Arsenal to sign this guy because he would be perfect depth for Party and for Xhaka yeah. in one player. Yeah, so it's he, just would, like he would really be starting, start signing. Right, he'd be starting at Liverpool. Point being. I was tweeting about it, yelling about it. I'm like, yo, we need to sign this man. It's a sneaky good signing. Come deadline day, Arsenal have interest in Douglas Luiz. Douglas Luiz trying to force Arsenal to move, blah, blah, like <laughs> all this traction. And then Aston Villa just refused to sell. And it's like he had, he had sick, he had a year left on his contract. He could go for free in six months. I think he has signed an extension yeah, no, he in has. the last like week, to be my fair. My boy, Villa got money. Villa do have money. But my point was like, we both know how good Douglas Louise is, mm-hmm. and that it feels team, as just though, another player on that roster that's just a stacked roster. It feels as though that that thing that we feel about like 
English fans and people who play it pay attention to the Premier League not paying attention to other leagues. It also feels as though that kind of affects Premier League clubs outside the top six. Because like people really underestimate the likes of, boom, Sven Botman, boom, Diego Carlos, boom, Douglas Luiz. You know what I'm saying? Like, really, really good, solid, lower-level play. Like, Leon Bailey has been not been living up to his expectations the last couple of seasons but the minute Gerard left this man is out here scoring goals again like he's at Leverkusen you know uh it's just really sad but um kind of how Eddie Howe went to Aleti and just like learn for a bit I'm kind of hoping Gerard can do that I don't know where he would go but there's a lot know. of places he can I'm not saying I'm not saying there's a lack of options I'm just saying like he can go and learn a couple of things maybe first things first go learn under somebody who knows how to man manage so something I find really interesting about this whole situation real quickly, I talk about all these players that they've brought in. You know, Diego Carlos is a big one that comes to mind. Coutinho spent time in Syria. Unai Emery is the favorite to go to Aston Villa. Hmm. And I think this... I don't know. I don't know what to make of it because Unai Emery flamed out so hard at Arsenal, whether it was his fault or not. He took a lot of abuse. You know, he, w- he wasn't treated the best. He also lost the locker room at some point. Mm-hmm. It was a. It was just a chaotic meteor of shit. <laughs> it was just, and it for a while I thought it was going to be good. I remember when we first got him, twenty seventeen. He signs Guendouzi. I like the talent ID. I'm like, okay, we're building up some good pieces here, and then it really, it really snowballed real fast. It's cool that he's getting another chance at Villa. Yeah. Um, speaking of Villa. Uh, I don't know if this. I don't know where this originated. Probably on Twitter, but somebody noticed that United Emery's career arc since leaving Arsenal has been Sevilla, Villarreal. Now he's going to Aston Villa. My oh, man wow. loves his hills. <laughs> That's all right, That's all I would say. He loves a good hill. Oh, I think I saw that too. Then they were like, <laughs> next we're gonna see him on Love Island in Love Villa. So yeah, but no, playing for, for Sevilla, Villarreal, and now Aston Villa. That's kind of fun. <laughs> But I I think he'll be able I think he's the type of coach that should be able to kind of start from basics and like meld that team together because that was, that was always kind of the thing. Whether they had Gerard or whoever they had before, I think it was Dean Smith, Aston Villa have never really seemed to be the most cohesive unit. That one season before they sold sold Jack Grealish when he was like MVP, that was like the one season where everyone was like, Oh shit, Aston Villa and then they fell off from there. So we'll see if United Marie is going to be able to, to kind of mold something from the clay. But one last, very, 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 very last point. You know how we're talking about attacking movements? Uh, Pep Guardiola has kind of set the tone with his Manchester City, right? Uh, attacking movements, pass into the box, crossover, pass to the open man of the box. I'm seeing more and more now attacking players going on these incredible runs and ignoring their open man in the mm. box and forcing horrible, ugly, super trash shots. I'm talking Sounds like super a personal trash. attack on City because that's where I've seen it no, the most really? recently. Uh, yeah. Really? I've been... Um, bro, garbage everywhere. Like, uh, Juventus, super frustrating. These guys love to force shots. But not even just Juventus. Not picking on like any of the big teams. It feels like any team that I've been watching lately, you see players... Forcing shots, and not just in the England, in the Italian league, in the Spanish league, and it's just like you're wasting shit because because so many of these guys now when, when teams attack, 
It's not just one guy no more. Even if it's one guy going on a crazy dribble, everybody else knows, yo, get forward and support. Get forward and get open. Get on the other side of the box, have a guy running late into the box. That's fine. But when you got guys just like straight up forcing their way into the box and then ignoring their open man and just fucking waving them away or just like trying to shake their heads, like, no, stop being a fucking idiot. And pass to your man. I don't know what it is, but this needs to stop. Yeah, people be glory hunting these days. This, oh you know my, this made I me- swear, it's like a half season of incredible goals, and now dudes are forcing shots from seven miles away. You know what this is making me remind me of? The other game I watched, I didn't talk about. I watched uh, Barcelona play Sevilla. <sighs> to me, Barca was the complete opposite of that. And shout out to my guy, Usman Dembele. He Ooh. played incredible. Man of the match performance. But he was doing the complete opposite of that, where... I've always thought of Dembele as like the dribble, 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 Let's cut across, play. ignore all options, and, and wrap shoot. your foot around it and curl that bitch like bottom corner, yeah. top corner, anywhere. Um, today in that game, it was a lot of him like trying to stretch the defense out wide, maybe dribble a little bit, beat one man. But then he's playing these angled through balls, where traditionally we think of through balls like going through the middle of the field, mm-hmm. splitting defenders, and mm-hmm. attacker runs onto it. He's taking an approach where he's from an out wide position. You're opening up all kinds of new angles, uh-huh. you know, different spacing. And one of the assists he had was one of these attempted through balls from this 45 degree angle, uh-huh. just beautifully passed, waded through, finished, bang, through on goal. It felt like a messy assist. It felt mm-hmm. like when Messi was in his prime playmaker days in Barca, where he wasn't even trying to score or run, he was just grabbing the ball. Dribbling a little bit, lay it off, get to the box, wreak some havoc. And one thing that I noticed about Messi was that his playmaking was beautiful, not just because he's an incredible passer, but because not just because he had good vision, but he had like a third thing, which was to find the most simple thing and and, and pull it off. And mm-hmm. Cruyff, Johan Cruyff said a long time ago, the hardest thing in football is to make shit look simple, right? Mm-hmm. Best dribblers in the world look like they're gliding. Best shooters in the world look like they're just hitting the ball however they can. And Messi always had the ability to just find this most random fucking angle that all of a sudden Iniesta or whoever else will ghost into and boom, mm-hmm. score that goal. Ooh, and that yeah. definitely gave me shades of that. And yeah. I thought that was really interesting. But in saying that, maybe Xavi getting Dembele to actually like pass and everything like that i feel like that energy has now dispersed throughout the footballing world and now all these motherfuckers are glory hunting and Mm. the next time i see somebody within two strides of the post trying to squeeze a shot under or inside of a goalkeeper who was already covering his inside post i'm going to scream, especially when you have a late runner or a man across the yeah, box waiting yeah. for a cross. Always, always play the extra pass. Jeez. That's my opinion. I know a lot of strikers in this world will disagree with that. It's just, a, man, it's just a mentality on. thing at some point. <laughs> I understand that the it's standard how you of walk, finishing. Look at the game. Right? I understand that the standard of finishing now is to finish like Henri and put it on the floor in the corner. But not everybody can fucking do that. Actually, it's interesting you say that because there's a clip of Mikel Arteta coaching. Was it Leroy Sané back at City? Or it might have just been a clip from an Arsenal training Sané finishes like that a lot. Well, no, so it it's the him. opposite, though. And he was saying when you get to those super wide angles, 
it might have just been at the Arsenal training ground. He's like, when you get to those super wide angles, he's like, if you go low, the keeper will have it covered. The keeper is already going to ground, you know, to help cover up that. Low. He's like, as soon as you get to those angles, shoot high. And then you, and then it cuts to a clip of like Sokka transitioning, you know, and he's starting to shoot high now because he scored that one goal a couple. Good weeks coaching. Ago. Good coaching. It was just interesting. It was like, oh, like you know, the fine details of soccer. Mm-hmm. That, a lot of coaches. The, the meta is changing uh, uh, once again. I think we're gonna have to have another episode where we just really sit down. Dude, it's changed like three times in well, the since, like, since we first initially since brought we first up that point. About that. Yeah, I mean, the, the I didn't expect of, to keep flipping over. Like the role this, of a fullback has evolved like at least twice since we since like since since Trent broke on the twice, scene. Like, exactly. Yeah. No, it's like it's interesting. It's like we're really like university studying the game type shit and it's like we're making discoveries according to our research like we had Yo, no idea pushed his glasses <laughs> up. I'm not even wearing glasses but glasses I the imaginary up. ones no but I was like uh, it's like we're making discoveries about Facts. shit that we didn't even realize like uh, I didn't know the meta changes this frequently you know it's, it's kind of scaring me like how fast shit is changing I mean it I'm makes like, sense though it's yeah, a fast paced I mean, game is, it's, everything a, is constantly it's a pressure evolving. based job it's a results business uh-huh. and you gotta do what you gotta do. You gotta and, and I think we pay attention to the one league that that like that means the most for. I mean, uh, the, obviously the ta- Italian league will have some tactical change and everything like that. But I feel like the Premier League is like the one where everyone's paying attention to you. Every, you can't do the same thing mm-hmm. the first year in the next. year. That's a really good point because you know? you'll still see people in Serie A. Mm-hmm. Tactical evolution same. is so important, and I think the uh, Premier League is pushing that forward. That in the Champions League, but. All right, y'all. This has been episode forty-four of the Rabona Boys podcast. We had a quick one for you. Uh, appreciate quick y'all. One. Yeah, yeah. I know, not even quick, this but whatever. We just didn't have shit episode. to talk about. Uh, it's time to go, though, y'all. Uh, peace out. Enjoy the rest of your week. Uh, we'll talk to y'all next week. <laughs>